Hello and welcome to the 11th episode of Mets Mafia. I'm the host CJ Owens here and I would say like we are happy to be back but you know it's been a tough one. A uh, tough week of Mets baseball, our latest debacle against the Phillies. Uh, we're going to talk about Pete Alonso and what he said after the game um, trying to inspire hope in the Mets fan base. I don't think he really did a great job there. Uh, we'll talk about Zach Wheeler, our former friend turned foe and we'll give a little preview into the Nationals episode and uh Last but not least, we got a very special guest this week. Uh, his name is Aiden McGrath, so we're very happy to have him on the show. Big Mets uh, Mafia member, always retweets and gives us love on Twitter. Diehard Mets fans, so we're very happy to have him. First off, I just want to thank the fellas for uh, allowing me to be on here. It's definitely a pleasure. Uh, been following you guys along for a while now. It's it's a real honor to be on here, and uh, can't wait to get the the show started. Yeah, Aiden, thanks for coming on, bro. On Mets Twitter, there's definitely a lot of passionate fans out there, but you're always active on there. You got a lot of good takes to throw out there, and I look forward to talking Mets baseball with you tonight. Even though we don't have a lot of good things to talk about. Great to have you on, man. Let's talk some Mets, baby. Even though, you know, hasn't been looking good. Let's uh, see what next week brings. Yeah, like the men said, it has not been looking good, but we are happy to have Aiden on. Um, we wish it could be in better times, you know, but this is the hand that we've been dealt. Uh, like we said um, in the intro, tough series against Philadelphia. Um, we really blew that one. You know, we had Diaz. Uh, doing his Hansel Robles impression, uh, pointing up to the sky when Bryce Harper takes him 425 feet into the center field ivy out there. So that's just absolutely terrible. And that really grinds my gears, man, because I, would call, I'm, I was a college pitcher, and you know when a guy squares one up. So there's no reason to put your hand to the sky when the guy just hits him 425 feet. He didn't, the wind didn't take that one. That one was a home run off the bat. You look like a fucking jackass. So that just, yeah, that kind of grinds my gears. But overall, it just hasn't been great. Offense, putrid. It's it's brutal, man. It's been brutal to watch. I'm going to the game tomorrow. I told my coworker I'm going to wear a brown paper bag over my head, cut out the eyes, and just sit there in agony. I mean, we're facing Eric Feedy. Uh, tomorrow's Espinosa, who is terrible. And he we got like three hits off him last time. So I can't. I don't even know what to expect. I mean, I'll be out there. If it's bad. You best believe I'll be booing. If we got like two hits in the seventh inning, one run against Espino, oh, people will be hearing it. And that barrel paper bag will be right over my head. So I know I kind of just ranted there. I'll throw it over to Cunny and let him talk a little bit. I know he's got much to say as well. Yeah, I mean, CJ, if you didn't just set the tone for this episode, that's the vibes right there, man. I mean, it's been that bad. We have not been hitting at all. We're terrible with runners in scoring position. We strike out a ton. Our offense is honestly brutal to watch. And it's very frustrating. Watch Bryce Harper. You brought him up on Philly. This guy's putting together an MVP season low-key. It's very frustrating to watch the Phillies get really hot while the Mets are sinking. 
Yeah, I mean, we're two and eight in our last 10, and I'm pretty sure that's the worst in baseball in the last 10 games. And I think Cunny said beforehand, we're one and seven uh, in August. So all of that is just a terrible combination. And it's the same shit that it's been all year. We cannot hit with runners in scoring position. We said it earlier in the year, and we're like, yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And it was fine then because we were in first. The pitching was pitching lights out and really putting the team on their back. And now they're coming back down to earth a little bit, and the bats have not stepped up their game for a second. And it's actually gotten worse, believe it or not. And it's just – Met games are becoming torturous to watch. And, you know, people are always saying on Twitter, oh, here we go again. The Mets suck as they're going to watch every inning. Yeah, we are because we're devoted fans, and this is our club. But – if you are a true baseball fan, you know that's not baseball. Like, there's got to be more from a professional baseball player standpoint to do something there. What do you got for us, Aiden? I know you uh, definitely want to get in on this, so give us your take, brother. Uh, well, back to your uh, your Bryce Harper uh, rant there. See, uh, I was actually – I had just uh, came home from work – and I had left the dog at home and, and the, the Mets game was on. And as I walked in the door, it happened to be his at bat. And um, he, it was the same pitch that he took like 500 feet dead center. And I, I, I literally just walked in the door and I'm like, that ball was crushed. And then to see Diaz point to the sky, it was just like, here comes another meme, you know? It's, uh, it's, it really has just been a laughing stock the last few games. And it's, it's, I just, I just don't understand how it can go from, you know, they started the season off good. They're kind of hot and they just couldn't score. And, you know, it's, it, it's, it's just mind blowing that, that it's, it's became this bad. It, it, it really is laughable. It really is. No, I agree. I think it definitely for it to get to this point. I mean, uh, the, the pitching was really just carrying us for the really the first half of the year. They were doing great. Um, starting, even though we had DeGrom out for a little bit, everybody was just really pulling their weight on the staff. And now they've kind of fallen back down to earth, like to their normal means, like where you kind of think these pitchers are not really throwing above their heads anymore, uh, playing above their heads, I should say, anymore. And, you know, they've fallen back down to earth. The offense still hasn't produced. So um, that's tough. I know Anthony DeComo, he put out a stat the other day that the Mets are scoring more runs um, post-All-Star break than they were pre. And I was like, it's been what, like 20 games, maybe 25 games post All-Star break, not even. And we had that one 15 run game against Cincinnati. So that's such a skewed number. Like you can make it say whatever you want. That really uh, pissed me off as well. Like we know the offense isn't performing. Don't try and sugarcoat it. Um, that's just how I personally feel. So. No, I agree. hundred percent. Tacoma put out that stat, but if just from watching the games, you can make a valid argument that the replacements we're doing a good job that our actual starters are right now. I felt like we were getting better at bats out of Billy McKinney in May and June than we are out of Michael Conforto right now. Felt like we were getting bigger hits from Jose Peraza than we are from other guys that have came back healthy. It's almost like the AAA guys have done a better job than our MLB guys. And CJ, you mentioned it. The reason why we're in front for as long as you were, were three people. I'd say four. Diaz, DeGrom, Stroman, and Walker. And we can't expect them to have that same level of consistency that they had in the beginning because they were so good. Now that we're seeing a dip in their numbers, we're not winning as many games. So it does come down on the hitting because I don't blame any of our pitchers at all. They've been solid. I mean, it's about time maybe the hitting starts picking up the slack. I mean, it's a team sport. You can't rely on just your pitching to carry. It's, it's falls on the hitters. 
And it's not even much of just the hitters need to pick up their slack. It's just they need to do something. There's no signs of life in that offense anywhere. Like when we, and I know we talk throughout the games and our conversations and everything is weak contact, ground ball after ground ball. We finally get a guy on first and it's an automatic double play. It's like their approach at the plate is brutal. You know, beginning of the year, they tried to pin it down on Chile. Clearly it wasn't Chile because it's the same problem it was in April now. And, they, you know, they got you Quattlebaum. They love his approach. And what, what is he doing that's special? It's got to be something more with the players where they got to play with a sense of urgency. They got to, you know, do something themselves. Like, they have no approach at the dish right now. I don't even know what the answer is. But two hits, three hits through seven, eight innings on multiple nights a week is just unacceptable. Going back to the trade deadline, what do you guys think trading for Javier Baez was the right move? After seeing now we got about a week, I know it's still too early to judge, but if you look at the Mets' problems and what they can't do on offense, Javier Baez, he mashes lefties. That I'll give him, but when it comes to clutch hitting with runners in scoring position, he's a strikeout guy. So it's like the Mets almost added to their problem at the trade line, deadline. But personally, I am a Javier Baez fan just because I don't think this year, listen, it's almost looking like the ship is maybe sailed on this year. And if you lock up by as long-term, you had the right pieces around him and Lindor, then you got a real shot at things. But in terms of making a run this year, the Mets didn't address what they needed. Aiden, you kick us off with that one, man. I know that uh, you haven't spoken in a while, so I just kicked that one off. Uh, yeah, no, I, I would definitely have to agree with that. Uh, I, I definitely love Baez. Uh, I, I think he brings a lot to the table. I think he's really electric. Um, uh, again, it is a little early, um, but I think, like you said, long-term, I, th- I think that's really going to be good. Him and Lindor up the middle, that's, that's kind of scary. You know, uh, they did it. Uh, I think, I think I saw something the other day, they did it back in like high school or something like that. They did it years ago. And uh, I, I think that chemistry is going to be real good. And especially if they lock him up long-term. Uh, but I think, uh, Kind of, uh, I forgot who said it, but somebody was talking about uh, the coach or whatever, right? And uh, the, I saw on Twitter the other day, somebody said, is it to, to blame the coach but for the hitting problems? And I, I just can't see it as, as the coach anymore because it's the hitting problems with running the scoring position have been going on for years. So it's it's definitely definitely more than just the coaches. Like, what was it the other day? We had the bases loaded three times and we scored no runs. Like, it's, uh, it's a lot to address there. But I, I definitely like uh, the bias Baez at the deadline there, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I think you're, yeah, Baez and Lindor definitely came uh, to the States at, like, the same time, went to high school in the States, uh, but they definitely played on uh, Team Puerto Rico together, so I think that's what you're referring to. And, yeah, Hugh, I mean, you can't blame it on Hugh Quilebaum, the Mets hitting coach. Um, it's just been bad. I mean, it's been bad prior to him. Um, I think he made a good point. It's been going on for years, so I think uh, that's something that also needs to be considered with that hobby bias trade. Like, I don't think um, the way the team currently is constructed, like Tony said, so many strikeout guys with runners in scoring positions, stuff like that. Um, the way the team is currently constructed, I don't really like hobby. Like his, everybody strikes out, so it doesn't really make like the Met, We have one guy on the team that's ever had over 100 RBIs in their career, and that was Pete. Uh, now with the hobby bias trade, I haven't checked his stats, but I'm sure he's had over 100 RBIs. Um, in a year but besides Pete and now Javi I think that nobody else has ever Lindor hasn't Conforto hasn't so it's these guys aren't driving in runs in 2006 uh we had David Wright Beltran and Delgado all had 110 plus RBIs 
So those are things like they were like a sack fly. Like we can't even get a sack fly. Like Aiden said, bases loaded. We have bases loaded all the time. No outs can't score. We can't even get a sack fly. We get a strikeout and then a double play. Or we just strike out all the time. Like it's terrible. You really can't. You know, the offense just has been bad, you know. Um, so I completely agree with that. I like Javi. Um, if you made other changes to the team, got some more contact hitters, uh, him and Lindor up the middle would be fantastic for years to come. So I love that. But like I said, the way the team's currently constructed, as many strikeout dudes we have, you know, it makes you scratch your head, man. It really does. Uh, I, I'm very biased towards Javier Baez because he's definitely one of my favorite players in the league. So I was thrilled to get him. But you guys are right. Like the way the Mets like team is constructed, they and CJ said it, I think, a week ago when we were talking is the Mets need an RBI specialist. Like you said, they got one or two guys that have had 100 RBI seasons. We're just missing it. And I love the Javier Baez deal because I thought he was going to bring an edge to the team. But an edge. Yeah, I think that's what they need. But it's not even what they need. They need a consistent guy who's going to be there knocking in runs in a big spot. And Javi can be clutch. You know, he's had a lot of walk-offs in his time. He's come up in big spots with the Cubs and the playoffs and in big games to get them there. But on a daily basis, he's not that as a player. He's a, what, he's a 250 guy with a ton of home runs and a ton of strikeouts and great defense. But the Mets need a guy who's going to be a high-contact guy and just come in in a big spot, and that's what they're missing. All the guys we have, I mean, listen, before the year, I thought we had a stellar offense. I thought this was going to be the breakout year, and I was more concerned about the pitching. But – it's easy to say now with hindsight being 2020, but they just don't have those guys. They're, they're, you know, they're a nice group of guys. They have talent, but they just aren't, they need certain roles. Every guy has got to play a role and they're missing that key role in the RBI department. Yeah, Greg, you just mentioned being captain hindsight. Like it's very easy to do that. But the thing with Javier Baez and the thing that makes me question the trade a little bit is him coming out before the trade and saying that he would be open to signing a free agent contract with the Mets to play alongside Lindor. And CJ, you were mentioning the, like how this team is constructed. He doesn't exactly fit right now. I just felt like they like it's easy to be captain hindsight, but they could have held off on that trade. They could have traded for more of a need for this team for this year for a playoff run and then focused on signing him in free agency. I just want to, uh, kind of like correct myself well not really correct myself just make my point clear I do love Javi Baez I think he's a great player um you know the strikeouts I knew that was a part of his game so I kind of expected that I mean the average below 200 right now he's just getting a little unlucky so I'm not really um, worried about that I do love Javi as a player but like I said just the fit um it's just right now as the team is currently constructed it's just tough and like you said Connie we could have gone out and maybe got something more uh, that would help the team right now. I mean, for them only to get Trevor Williams in that deal, and you know DeGrom went out before that trade. Zach Scott said that. So, like, what are you doing there? You really didn't give the team any reinforcements. You knew Javi Baez was dealing with the heel injury. I mean, that's not what he's at with now. But here we are now, and you basically got Trevor Williams, who's just sitting in AAA, rotting away, who probably won't give us anything. So it's like, what did you really do at the trade deadline? So that really kind of... Like you said, hindsight's 2020. Um, I think we were happy about the trade deadline last week. Um, but now, you know, not as not as happy with that. So yeah, and I'm in the same boat as you. I think he's phenomenal. I think he's gonna be good for this team. Just him and Lindor up the middle. I mean, they're gonna also recruit players to come play in New York. People want to play with those guys. So I do stand by the trade as long as he's signed long term. The only thing that bothered me about that trade deadline is the fact that 
you saw the Phillies and the Braves and what they did. They went out and they addressed a lot of needs for them. And what they probably said in their war room is the Mets haven't been pulling away in this division and they believed that they could catch them. They didn't separate themselves enough from a team from a, a four other teams in the division that were struggling. And they said, you know what, we're going to make moves and we're going to go out and get it. They didn't make a lot of huge moves, but they made enough to make themselves competitive. And now they're sitting ahead of us in the standings. The Mets got all comfortable with the fact that Carrasco is coming back. Eventually Thor is coming back and they just got Javi. And listen, I loved Javi, but they needed to address more. And like CJ said, they knew DeGrom was going to be out. Had you not addressed more pitching? It's all easier to say now, but that is an alarming thing because you can't replace DeGrom. And the only way you could have is to add more professional pitchers. But Aiden, what are your thoughts on the trade deadline? I know we're all happy with Baez, but was there anyone else you were thinking of seeing the Mets go after? Uh, I definitely think uh, the the pitching definitely, definitely needed to get addressed, obviously, with all the injuries. Uh, I think the bullpen as well as just the starting pitching. Um, I think uh, Berrios was a uh, – I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right, but uh, I think he was definitely a, a, an option there. But I was seeing some, you know, some sources saying that they were at – the Twins were asking for just an unbelievable amount of stuff. And I think uh, – I think they were just asking for too much there, but um, there definitely needed to be uh, more contact guys as well. Like you were saying, uh, especially with McNeil's struggles. Um, I think uh, with Baez coming out and saying that he was open to the free agent thing, I think they may have wanted to try a little harder for Bryant and maybe uh, Davies. I think it is the, the starter or the starter bullpen guy. I think they could have tried to get both of them maybe. Uh, but I mean, if Baez does sign long-term and like you were saying, he's, he's definitely him and Lindor are definitely going to recruit players. I think eventually it will uh, turn out to be a good deal. Yeah. No, I definitely agree uh, with that there. Uh, I know we brought it up. Uh, I don't know if it was last episode, maybe the episode before, but yeah, the twins are asking for a crazy return. Um, from us for Barrios that we were like well the two of us the three of us said absolutely no way so um we're all, all in on with you there Aiden and we definitely agree with that more pitching would have been great like we've said before in this episode where I think we're gonna keep saying hindsight is 2020 with easy to sit here and ridicule the moves they've done um but then also the other side of it was like how weren't you prepared for um things like this like this is I mean it's deteriorated so fast it's only a uh, small stretch of games right now they could easily take two out of three from the nationals and start turning it around but it doesn't look like that's going to happen right now but if there was a team to do it again it'd be the nationals we got joe ross eric feedy and daniel espino who will start tomorrow um so you know if there's ever a time three right-handers who throw mid like low to mid 90s at best maybe one breaking pitch you know so this is the time to get those bats hot. So, you know, I mean, this is the time. You know, if it doesn't happen here, I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, Slim, unfortunately, that's been the problem all year is the fact that the Mets can't even hit a fastball. They've been seeing a lot, of, I feel like a lot of lower 90s guys all year, and they're getting blown by 92, 93 up in the zone. I, I don't even know how to, like, fix that. Like, you're an MLB fucking hitter. You should be able to catch up to low 90s up in the zone. Listen, if the guy's pumping 98 to 100 up there, I'll, I'll cut you some slack. But they're getting 92 to 94 blown by them constantly. And not to mention their struggles against curveballs on the year. Because when they face guys like Chuck Morton, they just look silly. But then 
it, they can't even cag. Like I remember on opening day for us, we faced Matt Moore and we were just getting his 90 poo fastball blown by us. And it's been the same thing all year. It just makes no sense. I literally just give two hitters a pass for this year so far. I give Pete Alonzo. He's had a year, you know, he's been solid enough. Brandon Nimmo hasn't had the time, but he's also been solid enough. All the rest of them just haven't been up to par for me. Those are the only two hitters that are good in my books right now. I got, I got, I do like Pete. You know, he's been one of the more consistent hitters, but he absolutely, it was, it was running down his leg in Philadelphia. He came up in some big spots there and absolutely did nothing. That at bat against Ian Kennedy, I'm sitting there with Sean. And I'm literally calling it. I'm like, he's gonna throw a fastball up. Don't swing at the fastball. He swings at the first one. I'm like, he's done. He's not. He's gonna throw him two more. He's not gonna hit. It. Sure enough, fastball up. Then Sean's like, oh two. He's like, ah, oh, he's gonna throw him the curveball. I'm like, no, fastball up. Swings through. I'm like, JD Dave's gotta throw him the same thing. Sure enough, right, but like, it. Yeah, it's brutal, man. I mean, Pete, I do like him a lot, but that, that, that was just horrible. He really came up small in. Philadelphia and then he goes on the post game and says just know we'll figure it out just know what we know that you've been horrible right now the whole team is horrible right now that's what we know we don't know anything else besides that we know we've lost first place and we know that we're now in third place so what else do we know we know nothing besides that we don't know that you're going to get it back together we don't know I'm sorry yeah, like another rant but it's just getting me worked up 90 days in first place and now here we are third place dog days of august with no help on the way and third place yeah i mean pete and the rest of them all seem to just have this cool and calm mentality i agree with you cj it's getting old because it's not like these are just recent struggles these struggles are going back now for weeks it's not just that we came in the past week like the start of august out bad but we've been bad for a little bit now and we've seen our division league go away. I mean, now we're looking up at the up at the Phillies, and we're letting the Phillies just walk all over us. It is just frustrating. I just think most Mets seasons, even when the team is right around 500, a game or two below, the vibes at City Field are still electric. But there's just a different vibe this year. Uh, fans don't seem too optimistic at all. Even the players, in my opinion, they don't seem too optimistic. I mean, I know Pete's putting up a front to try and say that everything's all good, but it I bet inside that clubhouse, there's a lot of concerned people in there. And all of this talk you guys are saying is bringing me back to a moment. I forget exactly when, but it was about a month ago. The Mets had a pretty brutal loss. And then Dom Smith came out into the interviews after and said something like, you're not going to win them all. This is baseball. And listen, there was nothing wrong with what he said, but I, the only issue I had with it is it's almost like they have this mentality that it's like okay to lose. Like they have no eagerness to win. You have to be, you have to have that refusal to lose and you can and expect to win. Yeah. But it's like, they like, they expect to win too much. They need to go out there and earn it. And they just think it's going to happen. And now it's catching up to them that they think, Oh, everything's going to even out. We'll get there eventually. Yeah. How are you going to get there though? Right now we're chasing two teams. You can't just sit back and let it happen. It was good for letting Matt for 90 days. Like CJ said, that's because the, uh, the arms were shoving the bats up everybody's asses. And now with no bats to help them and the pitchers are pitching normally, it, there's nothing they can do but do it themselves. What do you got for us, Aiden, on that topic? Laying on, brother. No, I, I definitely agree with, with what all you guys are saying. I think uh, 
one of the, in my opinion, I think one of the uh, most concerning things is is Conforto struggles, is because um, I believe I could be mistaken. I think he's in the contract years, and I also believe he's hitting under two hundred now. So it's both it's, correct, both correct. Yeah, it's it's uh, definitely definitely very concerning in the way I look at it, anyway, because um, that's that was definitely in my eyes the somebody we wanted to build around. Um, I think, uh, going back to, uh, I think Cunny said it about the, the calmness, um, back in the beginning of the season when Lindor had his struggles, I think it was my mom who said, uh, he seems too calm in his interviews, you know, afterwards when he's going over three, over four, you know, whatever. And I'm like, I was trying to push it off and I'm like, no, 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 it's good. It's all right. It's all right. Like, he's just uh, an electric kind of guy, you know, he's, he's just trying to bring everyone's, uh, aura up and, uh. I think they, she might be right. I think think you guys are right there. It's uh, I think they're a little too calm for the situation they're in, and the struggles have been throughout the years. So I don't know. And then back to CJ's point about Pete's interview. I mean, that was just God. I love Pete, but uh, I it's, it brings me speechless. Honestly, I, I don't even know what to say about that. That's just bad. Yeah, you no, gotta yeah, talk to us, like talk to Met fans. Like we know what we're doing here. Like, listen, don't tell us just that you guys know that we're gonna win the division. We could clearly see that the division is up in the fucking air, buddy. All right, like, and Aiden, I thought that was a great point you made about Conforto because this is a guy who we we're leaning on being our three or four hitter, and he has been absolute garbage. Like McNeil, Dom haven't been good, but they have not been bad as Conforto. I thought that was a great point. Yeah, no, we haven't said anything about Conforto this episode. I mean, he got a lot of hate from us last episode. He's been very bad and, you know, just continues to struggle. Last year, he did have a great year. This year, he's been very bad. So I think he's somewhere in the middle. You know, I don't think he's ever going to be that three. I mean, he hit 330 last year, but uh, uh, or something around there. And I think Keith, when he first came up, Keith Hernandez said that's what he envisions him as a potential 330 hitter. I mean, he's not the same hitter he has when he when he came up. He would spray the ball all over. Now he's more of the launch angle, just try and hit the home runs. And I think that's definitely hurt his average. So I think he's somewhere in between what he did this year and last, probably 250, 265, 25 to 30 home runs, maybe an 80 RBI. So what are you paying for that, you know? Um, like I said, we I thought Conforto was going to be a guy we could build around too. But now, you know, we're looking at it and – you might just have to move away from him, man. There's going to be other talented options out there. Um, depends what goes on um, as the season ends. I know that they could offer him the qualifying offer. So um, a lot a lot of things could still be in play there at the end of the season. And it's very interesting to see what happens. Because Conforto was one of our guys. You know, we drafted him out of Oregon State. And uh, somebody that has been here from the start, you know, paid in the World Series thus in 2015. So uh, definitely be tough to see him go, but simply hasn't. Hasn't developed the way that we thought he would, I think. Yeah, when Conforto came up, I kind of – I always said to my buddy Simone, he, I always thought his ceiling was kind of going to be like an Alex Gordon. You know, good like good defense, maybe not quite the, the gold glove defense that Gordon brings to the table, but a quiet leader and a guy who's just going to hit for contact and get you those clutch hits when you need it. And there came a time in 19 and in 20 with what he did where I thought he was going to surpass – Alex Gordon's level by a ton and then this year he's taken about 10 steps back and I don't even think you can even put him in the conversation with a player like that and it's a shame because I thought Conforto was really on the upward trend I didn't think he was ever gonna be a superstar superstar but I thought he'd be one of those like grade b type guys where he's so essential to the team and he's gonna do good things and he did that in the past but I don't, I don't know he's so lost up there 
I don't even know if I would want him back, but it's, it's tough to put it all on him to say, I don't want him back when everyone has really been the problem. We have, like you said, we haven't been getting it from Jeff, haven't been getting it from Dom and we haven't been, haven't been getting it from our $340 million shortstop. So it, who can you even put the blame on? hundred percent. And Greg, you mentioned it like Conforto, maybe it's time to sit him down, but as you mentioned, there's no one else that's stepping up to do a better job right now. Like Kevin Pilar, we all loved him. You know, he's, he's a good clubhouse guy, but this guy's got 60 strikeouts and eight walks and eight less at bats than Conforto. He's playing just as much and he's been real bad too. Like he's hitting 212 with a 248 OBP. That, that's brutal. Uh, they don't really have anyone to plug in out there and place a Conforto. Yeah, no, the options are really kind of limited there. I mean, Drew caught for a while. He's fallen back down to earth. Um, so you kind of just got to ride your guys, man. And that's um, like what Aiden was referring to. I think in the beginning of the season, uh, I think it was good that they weren't panicking, you know, just kind of um, trusting in themselves, trusting in the process. But now now it's time to, you know, hit that panic button, are you? It's, you know, balls to the wall. It's, you know, now or never time. And um, like you said, I think it's still not that sense of urgency just is not there. Um, and I guess we'll just see it tomorrow night against the Nationals, man. Uh, it's a big series. I mean, every game from here on out is probably the biggest this season until they either fall out of the race or somehow storm ahead and clinch something up. Now it looks like it's going to go down to the wire most definitely if we don't fall out of it. Uh, so. Hopefully they'll turn it around. Um, like I said, huge game against the Nationals. I mean, you got to win two or three. You don't win two or three. Uh, you got the Dodgers, the Giants, and then I think you play the Giants twice or the Dodgers twice in that span. But uh, definitely nine, tough nine, 12-game stretch after the Nationals. So those are three games, two, three games we definitely need to win. Yeah, and CJ, that sense of urgency, I sent it to you guys earlier. I'll put it out on Mets Mafia Twitter, but a couple of years ago, Terry Collins had a post-game speech and there was a sense of urgency. I saw it went viral all over Mets Twitter today. And that guy was saying, like, I'll go to AAA, I'll go to Las Vegas and I'll find guys in the clubhouse who want to come up here and get the job done. Like, that is a sense of urgency. We don't see that with our Mets anymore. I always say how much I love TC and a guy like him would be what the Mets need right now. And again, I'm going to say, because I think I did say it before the year, I was never a big Rojas fan. It's easier to say, it, you know, a little bit now the team's struggling, whatever. But I just never thought he was the right guy for the job because I don't see that fire that Terry Collins had in him as a manager. I think he's too much of everybody's buddy. and He's not going to call the players out on their shit when they need to hear it. Because I, I believe when Terry said that, that was in 2015 or 16, actually, I think. And that's when the Mets started to turn it on and really go on the upward trend. And they got hot. And I, I, I just... I mean, I guess that can lead us into our next conversation because we had a little to say about Rojas, but I wouldn't say he's exactly on hot seat. I mean, he kind of should be. I know the Mets came out and said his job is safe, but I'm not too, too crazy about him. I might be taking the other road. I, I don't know. It's just, it's tough to put him, like I can put him on the hot seat, but I, I can see it as if like, you got, you got to stop blaming the coach. Like, it's it you got to start putting all this stuff on, on the players like I think I think realistically I think Rojas has de- done an okay job there's definitely some calls uh that he makes that really really question me and that's where I could see the hot seat part uh like what was it the other day uh kind of a big spot well it kind of ended up being a big spot it was uh he pinch hit Conforto for jury and uh 
at the time, Drury's was one of the hottest hitters, and Conforto, like we were saying before, is, like, under the Mendoza line. So, like, I just didn't understand that move, I guess, maybe because of the matchup situation. But even then, like, Conforto's really struggling. I don't understand that move from him. So I guess that's where I could see the uh, the hot seat take. But I don't know. I think uh, I think I kind of got to give him a little bit more of a chance. Yeah, it's it's definitely fair. I agree. The players have to start shouldering some blame. It does not definitely all go on Rojas. But I'm also kind of on Greg's side. I'm like right in the middle. I don't like how the Mets came out and just said that his job was safe. Like I was just talking to Greg about how when Boone got on the hot seat for the Yankees, all of a sudden the Yankees started playing a little bit better at baseball. There's a little applied pressure in the clubhouse. And obviously the Yankees traded for Rizzo, Gallo. They made other moves to make themselves better. But, you know, I think that was probably a factor. The players rallying around their manager. And even if you're not going to fire Rojas, you just don't necessarily need to come out to the media and say he's safe. If anything, I would like maybe a little bit of pressure on him and that puts the pressure on the rest of the team. And that's something we need right now is just pressure, in my opinion. No, I mean, I, I could see it both ways, man. I think uh, Luis, I don't think it's all on him right now. I mean, the players have just – they really haven't pulled their uh, end of the bargain. You mean, you know, um, I think the old saying is that a good manager, uh, he gets you five wins a season. Um, do I think Rojas gets us five wins a season? Probably not. Um, I don't think that he's a great man. I think he's just kind of there. You know, he's serviceable. The guys like him. Um, he's not really inspiring uh, any faith right now. I guess the guys are loose still, so I guess that's uh, – that's something, I guess. I mean, I don't really think that's a good thing. Just like you said, there should be a sense of urgency. Should be kicking the guys in the ass a little bit. Um, but, you know, that's kind of the guy he is. Maybe he behind closed doors is a little different, but he seems very laid back. Um, I'm kind of in the middle of Luis. Uh, I don't really think, um, unless you really have a great over-the-top um, manager, like one of the best two, uh, three or four managers in the game, I don't think they really uh, – impact the game that much anymore especially with all the analytics and stuff like that I kind of feel like they're just a puppet you see what the Yankees do with Aaron Boone you know he's he really is just there he doesn't uh, influence the game at all honestly besides the bullpen decisions and that's basically all written before the game for him anyway so uh, I think the baseball manager position really has lost some value in recent years unless you really have a great one so that's why I'm kind of indifferent on Rojas I feel like it could go either way I agree with everything you guys are saying because you guys are right. It should be on the players. The only thing that bothers me about Rojas, which I'll say again, is I just don't think he has that fire in him to hold people accountable. And that's, I mean, hey, maybe I'm just spoiled after all the years we had of TC and the good memories in 15 and 16. Or, I mean, that's just how I personally always took as a player, as someone who could hold me accountable for things, not just tell me everything's going to be all right, it's going to happen. But I don't see Rojas as that type of guy. And you're right. He's not going to make a day in and day in out impact as much with the, us winning games, really, with all the analytics and them setting the lineups or whatever and making the decisions, all that stuff. But I think it comes then more to the, the real life factor of what is he doing, like you said, behind closed doors to make these guys think if it's OK and shit. Like it's back to what I was saying earlier, that they're almost OK with losing and they think it's just going to happen. Yeah, I think a tiny bit of that, like Aiden was saying, came with how Lindor was handling his struggles and they thought, oh, yeah, if he's doing it, then, you know, it's going to come. But I, I, again, I'm not there to hear it, but I think Rojas is that same way, it seems like, and he's just telling them it's all going to change and he's just not a guy. He's not a manager to me. He's a guy. He's just 
he was a quality control coach that made his way up through the system. He's just, I say it again, he's everybody's buddy. Like he, he's not a manager in my opinion. It's a good point, Greg. Luis Rojas, he is, I, I agree. He's just not really, he's not an enforcer. He's not, he's not applying pressure. He doesn't look like that. But CJ mentioned he did stay true to himself. I mean, this guy has been the same all year, regardless of up or down. And maybe that's just who Luis Rojas is. Maybe we're looking for Rojas to be something that he just isn't. But when you look at the Mets constructed team, like CJ, you said it, we only have one guy who drove in over a hundred runs. We don't have that experience. Like Lindor has experience. He has been, he's been around the block. He's won awards. Bias has experience. But outside of that, I call our team relatively young hitting wise and pitching wise. We have Stroman, DeGrom, but even Walker, like he was out of the game for a while. He's young in my mind. Maybe we just need a guy with a little more major league experience running the show and teaching these guys what it's like to be a major league ball player. No, I agree. You know, I think it was a good point that you made up. Uh, I know I mentioned it before about the guys driving the RBIs. I think you just need more guys that are consistent, you know, 100 RBI dudes. You know, it's tough. You know, you think in the game now, it's kind of tough um, to think about guys year in, year out, 100 RBIs. But, you know, one guy for me that I think stands out, but we have no spot for him, but Jose Abreu, you know, he just always gets 100 RBIs. He might, his average not be, might not be the highest. He might not get his 35 home runs, but, you know, he's always getting his 100 RBIs, always. And, you know, something like that, that's, you know, that's a quality that, you know, he's driving in the runs. Uh, he's putting in good at-bats. And I think that's something that the team lacks. You know, when times get tough, two strikes, like you can't poke one out there or get a sack fly or still going for the home run. And that kind of hurts the team in the long run because everybody's doing that. You know, we don't have – I feel like we have, like, nine hitters that are basically the same. So, um it's a tough position to be in. So I think uh, offseason will be very interesting for sure. Listen, something I was just thinking about uh, earlier, I know we were talking about it too. I'm switching gears a little bit here. I do think, and this is a little bit of optimism now, I'm trying to get a little more positive. I remember watching the game the other day. We have a lot of games left against the Nationals and the Marlins. We played the Phillies and the Braves very early on. I think we only have about three more games apiece against them. We got a lot of games left against Philly, uh, Nats and the Marlins. And I know we just lost three out of four to the Marlins, which is unacceptable. But if there's going to be a time to turn it around, it's this series versus the Nationals. Yeah, we have that hell week and a half against the NL West dominance of the Giants and the Dodgers. But it's a lot of guys we've seen before over there, I feel like. You know, we've seen Scherzer for years. Scherzer's elite, but, you know, we know what he's got. We've seen Dodgers a couple times and kind of have our number, but – if we can make it through there, stay 500 in those series and then get back to some beatdowns on the Marlins and Nats, maybe we see a turnaround. It's really going to be telling these three games against the Nationals, I feel like. Aiden, hop in, brother. Give us your opinion. Uh, I definitely have to talk about those injuries because the same thing, uh, like I've been saying all year, is like I feel like we've just been been waiting and waiting and waiting waiting to, quote-unquote, get those guys back and – when they come back, it's just like they're not producing. So it's like it was great having the uh, the bench mob go off. They really they really did their job. But like that's what they were supposed to be. They were supposed to be like limited. And I feel like maybe they're getting fatigued and and maybe I don't know. Could be just me just uh, you know rattling off some stuff here. But I think it comes to uh, like a coaching decision. Maybe maybe trying small try and do small ball like like McNeil's even getting uh, the shift put on try and just slap a little like 
push bunt down third base line or even Dom Smith too. Like you see Lindor does it, but like, I think, uh, I think we just got to try and try anything. So I think, uh, like you guys are saying, I think the, uh, two seeds and the two series with the Marlins and the, uh, Nats are, are, we definitely have to take at least two out of three, I think. Uh, and like CJ was saying to stay, uh, or, was it Cunny saying 500 within this brutal, brutal next, was it three or four series we got with the NOS? That's, that's just brutal. But if we could stay 500 and then uh, really take off with the Nats and Marlins, I think uh, at that time with all the injuries coming back, fully, fully coming back, I think we do have a shot. Yeah. You know, lots of, a lot of ifs, a lot of ifs. If we beat the Marlins who we have not, the Marlins have given us trouble uh, the past couple of years. They've given us trouble this year, especially the last series. Um, so, you know, lots of ifs, but I definitely have some hope. Still want to say, op- uh, want to say some optimistic, um, but you know, that tank is running low. It's not on E yet, but that tank is definitely running low. I think we do want to get into a couple more things tonight. We're definitely going to ask, uh, Aiden what, uh, his, uh, favorite Met moment is. So we'll get to that, um, in a little bit, but something I want to transition to kind of breaking news today. Uh, we didn't talk about it before the show. So I'm very interested, uh, to see what everybody's got to say, but, Rumors are flying. Barstool Sports and MLB are close to reaching an agreement on broadcasting rights for Barstool Sports and the Major League Baseball. So I want to know what you guys think about that. Uh, I know I definitely have some opinions. uh, So I'll hand it off to Cunny and uh, you can lead us off there, brother. Yeah, that was a big story. But just before I hop into that, I want to ride your guys' coattails on optimism and hope because I was very negative tonight for sure. I'll give you one storyline that I could see happening. Is Francisco Lindor coming back, having an absurd month of September and saving his reputation with this first season he's had in New York? That is a realistic possibility. I mean, that's the only thing we can really grab onto at this point. But anyway, to Barstool, I honestly could care less just because I love listening to Gary Cohen, Keith Hernandez, and Ron Darling. But for the game of baseball, I guess it's a win because – Baseball is fading out a little bit in popularity. I feel like obviously we're all baseball diehards, but a lot of people just can't sit through a three-hour broadcast of a baseball game. And I guess from a business perspective, this could be a good move for them. But with the whole new negotiations coming up, we could see a lot of changes to the game coming up. I think it could be either the best or the worst thing to happen in Major League Baseball. Um, I I am a Barstool fan. I like a lot of the personalities that they have there. Um, I know – Carabas can be a little bit of a uh, controversial figure on Twitter, but I also think his coverage is great. He covers the game well. He's endorsing what the people want to see. His podcast, he's got three podcasts out right now that are top four in the baseball podcasting world. Uh, the new one with Big Poppy. He's got his Boston one and then starting nine with Dallas Braden is honestly a great listen. And if you're connected enough to the baseball world, the players really do like them. Like they have pretty much every headliner star player have do interviews or even the guys you never even heard of and I think they're a good way to grow the game do I want to hear them broadcast games absolutely not if I have to hear KFC bitch and moan about the Mets for hours or that idiot hubs talk about the Yankees then I'm gonna lose it but you know they have some good guys I think that can you know help grow the game and you know attack a certain audience so I, I don't know Rob Manfred finds a way to screw up everything if he does it the right way, it could be great. But if he gives them full immunity, it could blow up right back in their face. So I don't really know what could happen. Yeah, no, I definitely agree there, Greg. I think you brought up some good points. I personally, 
Um, like you said, they definitely need to grow the game. I think it could help in popularity. Um, definitely, I think uh, Braden, I like Dallas Braden, that starting nine podcast is good. Not that crazy about uh, Kravis, but he is a Long Island dude. I think he's from Seachem. So, uh, you know, got to show him love. He's uh, made it pretty big. You know, if this, this strikes with MLB and Barstool, he's, uh, he'll definitely be one of the guys that's up there for them. So it depends how they do the structure. Like you said, Hubs and KFC, I don't want to hear those dudes talking baseball or broadcasting games, anything like that. You did bring up a good point um, about uh, how they do have a good relationship with a bunch of players and stuff like that. So if they do get former players in there and stuff to uh, do some things, that could be cool. Um, but I really, uh, I don't really think, I don't know what Manfred direction he's trying to go there. I know. Uh, I mean, MLB, they still black out some of the games that they have on MLB networks so that, I mean, that's a huge issue. Uh, I feel like that you need to tackle before trying to get Barstool involved, um, where, which has had its controversy. You know, David Portnoy is, uh, you know, he is what he is. You know, that's uh, he's the guy who came up, brought up Barstool. Uh, I don't think he ever thought it was going to be this big, but now look at the guy. He's making millions upon millions of dollars. So uh, here he is now. I don't think that's the direction necessarily that's best for MLB, uh, but Greg brought up some good points that uh, if they do structure it right, I think it could work. Um, I guess high risk, high reward there for them. Aiden, what do you think? Um, so, like, like uh, you guys were saying before, is like we're all huge baseball fans, so like we love watching the game. So, to to start that point off is the first thing I say when I'm talking baseball to people is I love it to death, but I will be the first one to admit that yes, watching the games can be very, very boring. So. Um, back to the point of we're all huge baseball fans is, you know, if the Mets aren't on like tonight, like uh, I'll throw on uh, whatever baseball games on, or I'll put on MLB network and they'll do the regional coverage. And I think really like doing that, I, I've realized how unbelievably spoiled we are with announcers. Um, they are just, our announcers are just incredible. Gary, Keith, and Ron are just, they're, they're a whole nother world, you know, and listen to some of these other announcers. I forgot what game it was that I was watching uh, a couple of days ago, but there was no joke, a minute and a half of silence. And like, you can't do that in, in the games where like it's a pitcher's duel and it's a really boring game. Like you guys need to, as announcers need to bring that up and, and, and bring a little intensity to those games. So the, the viewers who really might not be huge baseball fans can still watch and tag along to the game. So to the Barstool point, um, I don't know. I, I love Barstool, but I don't know about commentary-wise and, and announcing the games. I think they'll definitely hit a younger – the youth anyway and, and definitely uh, bring a little life to it. But I I think, uh, like CJ and you guys were saying, we're, it, it's got to be done the right way. Like maybe even bring in some new announcers or something. But uh, I, I definitely think it, it, it could uh, – blow up or, or be really, really bad. And I, I don't, I think people are kind of misconstruing it. I don't think they're exactly looking to like broadcast games and be commentators and whatever. I personally think at least maybe this is wishful thinking. I think what this is Barstool's way in to professional sports because everyone knows they have their whole streaming things and their live streams of the guys watching the games and then reacting, but they can't actually broadcast the game because they don't have rights to it. So I, I'm, I'm hopeful that maybe this is their first step into getting the rights to stream a game and do like a picture in picture of their guys doing it on the side 
and there and listen, I don't think you're going to turn on Fox or MLB Network and see them. You'd probably still have to go through their website. But that, I, I believe that's the way that they'll try to handle it. And yeah, listen, if you don't like Barstool, by all means, you don't have to watch it. You can still watch your SNY or Yes or whatever the network is for your team in your city. But we all know MLB TV is an absolute shit show how with all these blackout restrictions. And I think this is their step into kind of one saying a little F you to the MLB about how they're not doing it the right way, but also to get people what they want to see. Cause it bothers me that I can't, I turn on MLB network and it says, Oh, Red Sox, Blue Jays or Pirates Cardinals. I don't want to watch Pirates Cardinals. I want to watch the Red Sox, Blue Jays, but a blackout's not letting me and I don't have MLB TV, but maybe this is an alternative that they're doing again. I don't know what their plan is, but I hope that that's what it could be. Yeah, 100%. Aiden, you mentioned it. We are very spoiled with announcers. One guy that sticks out to me that I always tune into on Mets off days that puts me to sleep is Michael Kay. With the Yankees, all Yankee fans saying that he's great, they're just in denial. They don't want to bow down to the Mets broadcasting booth. That guy is terrible to listen to. He puts me to sleep. So I think that's all valid points. But I would be behind Barstool. But like you said, Greg, there has to be an option to listen to our announcers that we originally had. No, oh, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I don't think they'll get uh, get rid of all the TV deals they had and stuff like that. I don't think it'll be exclusively Barstool. Um, I think, like Greg said, probably just be on their website, like internet thing that you can stream it from uh, type deal. But yeah, like you said, Gary Cohen, uh, definitely one of the best, if not the best in the business. So we are very spoiled to have him. Um, Aiden brought it up, the dead dead silence time for like a minute. I've seen that sometimes as well. I know what's his name? uh susan waldman and uh what are the other clown uh sterling on the radio are also uh notorious for that the yankees yeah their broadcasting crew isn't much but the one thing i will say about that silence sometimes it's good you know gary like after a big home run he'll let, do his call in the beginning and then he'll let you hear the crowd in the background you know watch the guy run around the base and such for a couple of seconds you know sometimes longer than the others but uh it's the point it's when to do it and when not you know and i think gary has uh art of broadcasting um he knows it like the back of his hand he truly is one of the greats so we are spoiled and i think those are really good points there so i just wanted to highlight that like you said right there to tell uh tell off on it cj is there is an art to broadcasting and keith and ron are great at it too where they know when to talk and when not to when gary's having some of his really special you know monumental calls for that season they know when to shut up and something that sticks out to me is i remember and i think it was 2019 on their off days, they would bring in Todd Zeal to do the color commentary on the side. And he was just brutal at it. Like in the Carlos Gomez walk-off hit that he had, that was electric of a moment as that was. Gary's having an amazing call. And then you got Todd Zeal in the background going, wow, what? like just ruining the call. And you got to have the right people doing it. So every broadcast is different. We're spoiled as Met fans. I know plenty of Yankee fans that tell me they can't even stand watching the Yankee games because Michael K is so brutal. And they say they'd rather listen to a Mets broadcast. But I know exactly what you're saying, Aiden. I could turn on some games like the Padres have a good announcer. I like the guy who does the Giants games. Uh, but some teams just have no, – it's just dead. And that's – in those smaller market cities, there's no way you're going to grow the fan base with that. All right. You know, I think we've gotten down to a lot of things tonight, getting kind of late. So uh, we're just going to ask Aiden. It's kind of a, one of our customary things. We like to ask all of our guests. Is uh, Aiden, what's your favorite Mets moment? Um, just say it. Give us like your best Mets moment, your favorite uh, memory, anything like that. Maybe a time at the stadium, um, anything like that. Something unique to you that uh, 
really makes you think about the Mets and uh, why you love them. Uh, well, I I mean I love I've always watched loved watching the Mets, so I you know I got plenty of memories. I got uh, you know when when uh, Santana threw the the no hitter, it was I was sitting on the fo- on the floor watching. Uh, watching it and I was on the phone with my mom and she was at work. She, I was telling, I was like doing commentary to her and that was a good moment. Uh, uh, Piazza's home run in nine 11. I know I wasn't obviously, you know, really like watching it crazy like that, but uh, that's definitely even watching it on, on the highlights and stuff, how electric the crowd was and everything like that. Uh, but I think my favorite moment is definitely going to David Wright's last game. Uh, me and my mom bought tickets and uh, the, the second, uh, he came out on his interview and saying that he was going and that was going to be his last game. Uh, I bought tickets immediately and we sat right behind their base. And even though it was a very long, long game, they wanted an extras. Uh, it was, it was definitely, definitely uh, such, such an amazing moment because not only, you know, David Wright being my idol, but I definitely got to spend it with my mom. So that was just awesome. That was definitely, definitely going to be my favorite. Yeah, I think that's great. You know, honestly, hit him there. And I think that, uh, honestly, from the kids sitting on the floor, uh, giving the commentary to your mom, that's a great memory. You know, typical Mets right there. You got the no-hitter and just fantastic with Santana. And, you know, I really like that, uh, the last one you brought up, the David Wright game. You know, I've been to a lot of Mets games, some playoff games, stuff like that. Didn't get to go to that game. I also haven't been to, like, any of the retirement days or anything like that. So that's definitely on my bucket list. So that definitely was a special moment for you, uh, I can only imagine David Wright's last game. You know, he's the player we grew up watching. You know, he was Mr. Matt for the longest time. Him and uh, Jose Reyes on that left side of the infield really held it down. And uh, they were the cornerstones of the franchise. It definitely was a special day for you. I'm glad that you got to uh, experience that shit. Yeah, that's awesome. I got a special uh, spot for my David Wright jersey in my room. I was like you. I was, he was definitely my idol. Just thinking about the injuries, he could have been so much better too. I mean, this guy, he really could have been something for the Mets. And he was. And his he had a great career with the Mets. He did what he could. Got to that World Series in 2015. That was an awesome moment just because I could relate like that. That being so important to Mets fans. And that just makes me think of maybe one day us four will be at like Jacob DeGrom's last game as a Met or something like that. That's definitely a special moment. And you best believe the day that the Mets retire, that number five up in the rafters, we will all be there that day. I can tell you. I was there when they retired Piazza's number, and that was fucking awesome. I know we didn't get to watch all of Piazza's career because we were a little younger, but he was everyone's favorite player growing up, too. And David, I think, is everybody's favorite Met around in our, in our age group. So we'll be there when they retire that number five. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Mike Piazza was my favorite med. That's sick that you got to experience that one as well, Greg. Uh, Mike Piazza, I remember when I was little, I was, uh, wanted uh, Piazza to hit home run. That was my favorite thing. Was he Mike Pizza hit the home run. So that was uh, that was always fun. Uh, any closing thoughts from anybody? Any uh, last remarks? Aiden, you got anything for us? Uh, anything from the Mets Mafia? Uh, again, just want to thank you guys for, uh, for letting me on. Uh, definitely been a pleasure. Uh, Mets Mafia. Uh, let's stand tall, stand together. Uh, hopefully we uh, we push this one out and uh, really make this season uh, turn it around a little bit more. Uh, and just give a shout out to uh, my uncles. Hopefully you guys tune in a little later. I know we're always texting in the group chat, but uh, maybe you guys tune into the podcast a little later. So uh, thank you guys.
Yeah, Aiden, thanks for coming on, bro. Like I said, just want to rally off that. We have to keep our heads high. We just got to hope because there is hope. As bad as things have been, there is hope. Uh, like I said, let's grasp on to maybe the Lindor storyline, coming back, saving the season. DeGrom, once he gets back to, maybe he'll – like he's a difference maker. He stops these losing streaks that we're currently on. He's like that plug-in guy that could put this to an end. So we need those guys back. I got my fingers crossed. I'm holding the faith. Thanks for coming on, Aiden. Now, everyone give him a follow on Twitter. Very good follow on Twitter. Always tweeting out good content. Aiden, thanks for coming on, brother. Appreciate all the love and all the support you give us on the Twitter as well. And uh, look forward to maybe catching you at a game soon. Yeah, you know, the podcast kind of was a doom and gloom vibe today, but we wanted to send you guys off with a vibe of optimism. You know, have some hope. Like I said, we're not on E yet. There is still some hope left in the tank. Um, so we just got to go out there tomorrow, think positive thoughts. I will be there. If you see somebody in left center field in about the seventh inning, if we have a couple hits wearing a brown paper bag on their head, that will be yours truly. So take a picture and maybe you'll get on Mets Mafia Twitter. Uh, I want to thank Aiden again. It was great having him on, share some good stories. Definitely give him a follow. Very loyal uh, Mets Mafia member. So that was fantastic having him on. Episode 11 is a wrap. Uh, so let's go Mets and uh, hopefully we can write the shit. LFGM. Let's go Mets. Let's go Mets, baby.